0: Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Thanks for joining today. We are in week three of a four week message series called You in Five Years. This series was originally written by Levi Lusco and Fresh Life Church, and I've been tag team preaching uh, myself one week, Levi the next uh, for this four week series. Today I'm going to be sharing a message with you called Too Small to Fail, and we're going to talk about how we need to take small steps if we want to see sustained change. If we want to reach our goals of where we want to be in five years, sometimes it just begins with a small step that is sustained over a long period of time. And given time, it will produce incredible results. Hope you enjoy. See you soon. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back. We are in week three of a four-week message series called You in Five Years. If you haven't been with us, you can follow us on our YouTube page. You can go to our website and get all caught up. Uh, But we're talking about change that happens over a longer period of time. We're entering into 2021. We are here. We've arrived. And I know that many of us are looking to this new year and hoping it will be better than the last year. And so often what happens is we get New Year's resolutions in place. We begin to think about the changes we need to make in order to make that a reality. And throughout this series, what we're talking about is what we could accomplish over five years. We get excited about what we can do in a month. And in a year, but what could you and what could I accomplish in a five-year span with consistency and diligence, moving in a good direction? Let me quickly recap where we've been. In week one, we talked about uh, this idea of compound interest. And so again, whether you're talking about uh, whether you're talking about twenty dollars a week savings uh, over you know a period of time, you would expect that your your monetary savings would kind of move in this direction right sort of up and to the right, gradually, twenty dollars a week. But what we know about this incredible thing called compound interest is that if you continue to invest a small amount over a long period of time, it actually does this. We begin with time to experience the benefits of compound interest. That's why in this series, we're not just talking about what can happen in one year, but we're actually thinking about what could you accomplish and what could God do in your life over five years? See, five years is enough time that you can actually begin to see the benefits of compound interest. And again, we learned in week one that both good actions, good behaviors, good motives and evil ones, they both increase at compound interest over time. So the little things that you and I do each day, the little things that we uh, do in our relationships and our finances and our faith, they actually can can move us in uh, considerable directions over time. And so that was week one. In week two, we heard from uh, Levi Lusko, who's a fantastic communicator. And I love some of those illustrations. I mean, he was laying on a bed of nails. They were breaking a cinder block with a sledgehammer over him. So you can see why I showed the video. You know, I, I wasn't quite uh, trusting Todd to wield a sledgehammer over my body, but it was so helpful. And what he talked about was the laws of motion. And what's cool about the laws of motion is that an object that is at rest will want to stay at rest. And so what that means for you and me is that um, the behaviors... The attitudes that we have, the actions that we're taking right now, we will continue to take those because it's easy, it's normal, it's where we are. And our default is is lazy, and it is hard to get something at rest into motion. But the incredible thing we learned about the law of motion is that once something is in motion, you get the benefit of momentum. And so once you start moving in a direction, it gets a lot easier to continue in that direction. So today, as we continue this conversation, we continue thinking about... Um, what we can accomplish in the next five years, I want you to consider this. Perhaps you're like me, and perhaps, uh, perhaps like me, you um, you want to see change happen suddenly. I mean, you want to, you want to just see everything happen in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. It's like, how quick and how aggressive can we be with this thing? And often, um, people run into difficulty with change because, because they're trying to do it too quickly. Let me just show you another little drawing. So I'm going to go over to my, my whiteboard here. If we were to draw the same kind of graph and axis, and on this side, we put time, Okay. And on this side, we put, uh, I'm going to draw it up here. Willpower. Okay. And let's be honest. Willpower is required. Willpower is required to make any kind of significant change in your life. I mean, you want to be a man or woman of God. You're going to have to exert some willpower. If you want to lose some weight, if you want to uh, get a better education, there's things you're going to have to do. And, uh, your willpower, let's say on January 1, let's put January 1 down here. And we've got consecutive days, weeks, months. And maybe on January 1, you have 100% willpower. I mean, you are rip-roaring, ready to change your life, ready to take steps forward. I mean, you know where you want to be in five years, and you're ready to get at it. And if you're like me, your temptation is to throw yourself at it. But here's what I want you to understand. Willpower is not an inexhaustible resource. We only have so much of it. And yes, willpower will replenish, but it replenishes slowly. And here's the mistake that we make sometimes. Let's say, for example, you decided you're going to get in shape. And so you decided, hey, every morning, 6 a.m., I'm running 5K. January 1, you're up and you run your 5K. It's hard, but you did it. You feel a great sense of accomplishment. The problem is you used 10% of your willpower just accomplishing that first step. Day two, you're really excited. You did well. It only takes 5% this time, but you've decreased your willpower because you're just like, I'm going to do it. And you're white knuckling it and you're accomplishing your goals and, and it's new year, new you, you know what I'm saying? And so then let's say day three, you are sore and you've got the sniffles and your kid was up half the night puking. Right. Puked in your bed. It's like, I don't, but I'm just committed. So you're going to get out there and run your 5k, but this time it takes a 25% of your willpower to get it done. Do you see, you see what's happening? And over time, you know, different amounts, but you're trying to do so much in a short period of time, you exhaust your willpower. And this is like crash and burn. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that many of you watching and listening today have experienced this. You were like, I'm going to change. I'm reading my Bible and praying for an hour a day, every day. This is the year when I'm going to connect with God. This is the year my marriage is going to be amazing. This is the year I'm going to parent on purpose. And you like, you go crazy with all these changes and your willpower is being depleted. And and what's interesting about this is today I actually want to talk to you. The title of my message today is Too Small to Fail too small to fail. Because what I want to encourage you to do is as you envision where you want to be, where God wants you to be in five years, to take really small steps. So instead of exerting a lot of willpower, you're going to take little baby steps that will increase over time. So instead of crashing and burning like this, you're going to take steps that are so small they will seem silly. But you'll be able to consistently do them without exhausting your willpower and ultimately end up in the place you want to be. So that's kind of the big idea. And I want to turn this morning into Genesis chapter 12. And in this particular text in Genesis chapter 12, we have um, the man Abram. And I love this text because, you know, this is three, 4,000 years ago. God comes to a man named Abram. His name would later be changed to Abraham, and he's obviously very well known. Uh, but Abram is really a nobody at this point. It's just like God shows up to this guy named Abram, and in my Bible, there's like a little margin at the top, and it literally says the call of Abram, the call of Abram. In, in our culture and day, we talk about things like purpose and destiny. But the Bible, the scriptural language for that is call or calling. And the reason why is because you have a calling and a destiny, uh, but it's, it's something that God has for you, and he invites you into it. So your destiny, your purpose, is your calling. And God says, come on, walk this way. And so we're going to see God approaching this man named Abram, and he's going to invite him into his calling, into his purpose and his destiny. Here's here's what it says. Let's read it. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God's going to reveal to him in the next few verses this huge destiny he has. But Abram cannot step into his destiny, his calling, until he's willing to walk away from something. He's got to leave something behind. He's got to get up off the couch, and he's got to start moving in a direction. Okay, that's the first part of this. He says this, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. My guess is, if you're watching this today, you want to be great. You want to be great at your job. You want to be a great friend, great parent, great spouse. You and I want to be great. We want to do great things. We want our lives to matter. But often we want to be great for the wrong reason. We want to be great for our sake. So people look up to us. God says, I'm going to make you great for the sake of others. Imagine if you sought greatness so that you could use your power, your influence, your money, your opportunity to raise people around you. That's what that's part of the calling that God has on your life. I'm sure of it. Here's how it continues. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God says, listen, I have something, and I'm going to flip this over here once again. I want to show you uh, another little diagram. This is going to be this big, long slice here. We're going to call this God's call on Abram's life. God's call. Okay, so God says, I've got this call on your life, Abram, that is so big you can't even imagine it. You're not just going to be a father. You're going, to be, you're going to be a father of a great nation. And you're not just going to be somebody who's great and is going to do things. You're going, the whole world is going to be blessed by you. You're going to have more descendants than the stars of the sky. You're going to inherit this vast land holding that will be called Israel eventually. So God says, I've got all this. This is my call to you, Abraham. But here's the thing. Abraham stepping into the call begins with a single step. To get up and to leave where he's at. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Too small to fail. Taking a single step. I love. There's a there's a quote in the uh, the book The Art of War, and it's Lao Tzu, and he says this: A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step journey. It doesn't matter how big the thing you're trying to accomplish, it always begins with a single a single step. It's like, "No, no, no. How do we get there tomorrow?" No, no, it begins with a single step. Something has to move us in that direction. And that's exactly what happens. Abraham has this huge call from God that God wants to do in his life, and it all begins with him just taking a step, just moving in God's direction, obedience and faith. By the way, it's why Abram becomes Abraham the father of faith, because he was willing to obey God and take a step. And God makes him a promise that all of this would be accomplished in his life. So, we're going to jump ahead to two other passages of Scripture this morning. One of them is found in Deuteronomy 7, and the other is found in Exodus 23. And let me give you a bit of backstory on these passages. Uh, Because this is about 400 years after God makes a promise to Abram. God is still actually fulfilling the call. This is is actually something that's very, very interesting. Uh, God makes this promise to Abram, and you would expect, as I would... Maybe Abram started that walk and he comes to the land and he's thinking, oh, is it this year? Is it this decade? When do I get the land? When do my kids show up? When does this great, all this great stuff that God's promise happen? And only a very small part of what God's call was happens in his lifetime. In fact, much of it happens after. And I wonder sometimes if when we think about our destiny, we think about what God wants for us, our, our next year, our next five years, if we aren't... Missing the opportunity to see what God would do through our lives even after we're gone. That we could leave a legacy. And I'm willing to bet that God's call on your life, and and He has a call on your life, would include doing things, setting things in motion that would affect your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, the people that work for you, the people in your life that you could leave such an impact on them that your legacy and your call continues long after you're gone. So Abraham, 400 years after he's gone, his descendants, the nation of Israel are in Egypt. They're, uh, they're in slavery and Moses shows up and he leads them out of slavery. Uh, They are about to enter into the land of Canaan. So there's the Jordan river. They're going to cross the river and begin to do battle. And they're going to begin to take the land that God had promised Abram 400 or so years prior. What's cool is, Abram's great-great-grandchildren are part of his calling being fulfilled, and they're about to step into theirs, which is to take the land. And here's what Moses says. We're going to look at the, the first text in Deuteronomy 7.17. Here's the text. He says, if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, if you look and you're like, wow, they were looking across the river, there were, there were uh, walled cities, there were great armies, there were all these kings, and they could have looked and went, oh, man, this is, this is a mountain we can never climb. This is something we could never achieve. How can we dispossess them? And I don't know about you, but if if you're looking at what you want to see happen in the next five years or in your life and you're wondering yourself, how could I ever do that? It's it's too big. I can never be out of debt. I don't think in five years this marriage could be healed. I, I can't see myself with a child five years from now. It just seems impossible. I, I cannot see what God could do. I just don't see how it's possible. And, and here's here's what Moses says for them to do, and this also applies to us. He says, you shall not be afraid of them. But you shall remember what the Lord did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. He says, if you're looking forward and you're intimidated by this mountain in front of you, look back and remember what God has done. This is, by the way, is exactly what King David did before he was a king, when he was a man-child, all right? When David is is, is at the battlefront and he hears this, this giant of a man, of Gath, Goliath. And Goliath is standing out in the battlefield just basically criticizing the Israelites, saying, who will face me? And he's like, I'll do it. And he walks out on the field. He's 15, 16 years old with a slingshot. Goliath is like, is this a joke? You're coming at me with sticks and stones? Am I a dog? And you know what David does? He stops there and he goes, you're big. Yeah, this is scary. You'll probably kill me. But he looks back and he goes, when I fought the lion to protect the sheep, God was with me. And I conquered the lion. Ripped it apart with my bare hands. When a bear attacked him, God was with me. This will be no different. He looked back so that he would have confidence to move forward. And David said, God's with me. How can I fail? And of course, you know the rest of the story. He strikes down this giant. Uh, again, when you and I face these moments where we're like, I just don't think this situation could ever change. I don't think there's any way out. Um, we need to look back and remember. Here's what he says next. Do not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. Now, if you're new to faith, if you're checking this out for the first time, and you're like, hey, who is this God of the Bible? Who, what do these Christians believe? I'm telling you, the God of the Bible is an awesome God. He is the great God. He is the one and only God. And, and we need to be reminded that we serve a great God. I mean, I'm a pastor, right? Spiritual leader. People look up to me, I, I think, sometimes. And, uh, and they look up to me, and I, and I think to myself, whoa, um, I have to remember. I, sometimes I meet with other pastors, and one of the things we do is just remind each other that God's on her side. It's like, hey, you're not alone. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to do what I have to do, lead with my strength and my wisdom, and to remember we serve an awesome God, and he's with us every step of the way. We all need to be reminded of that each and every single day. So here's, here's where it goes. He says, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, and this is the phrase I wanted to get to. Notice what it says. Let's all say it together. Little by little. How will God do what he's going to do? How is he going to bring you into your calling, your destiny? Little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. Fact, God won't let you have it instantly. That's what he says. And there's really a couple of reasons. Number one is because if God gave you and me what we prayed for today, and he gave it to us instantly, it it would be just a matter of moments before we turn and walk away because we don't need him anymore. And I'm telling you, you might think, well, no, I love God. If God answered all my prayers, gave me what I wanted, I would totally keep serving him and pray every day. No, you wouldn't. The Bible is full of stories of God saying, here's the blessing I promised. And almost instantly the people turn away and they walk away from God and they stop depending on him. And God has set things up in such a way that we would depend upon him and need him day by day, that we would do this together. This is part of the process of how God works. It's why Jesus taught us to pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Why would he say that? Because we don't need a bread for a month in the freezer. We need each and every day fresh bread from heaven. Honestly, my uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Naomi, uh, she got a bread maker for Christmas, so I've been praying, God, less bread, right, or that COVID-15 will turn into COVID-50. But we need to depend on God each and every day. Fresh, fresh bread from heaven. We need him. Otherwise, we'll walk away from him. But... There's another reason why, there's another reason why we need to, um, do this little by little. Here's what it says in the next verse. In Deuteronomy 722, you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. So what God says to the people is, if I give you too much too fast, you won't be able to sustain it. The cities you conquer, they'll be empty and weeds and enemies will come and inhabit them. You're not ready yet. In Exodus 23, same same incident, Moses speaking to the people, but it's written in a slightly different way. It says this, little by little, everybody say, little by little, say it together. I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So this is cool. God says, I'm not going to give you the next level. I'm not going to take you there until you're ready to get there. I'm going to add a color to my, my chart. If we can flip over to here. Um, we have God's call. Right? So God's call, and who knows what God's call is. I can tell you that God's call is incredibly larger than you could ever imagine. I can tell you that you can't even think or comprehend what God wants to do in and through your life. But (laughs) I want to add another color, and we're going to call this our capacity. And what happens is uh, God (laughs) said to the children of Israel, I want you to have all this land. Here it is. But the problem is your capacity isn't high enough. So here's their, maybe their capacity is at this level. And what God's going to say to the children of Israel is that you can't have all this until you are ready to have it. And there's a principle here. And the principle is, uh, the principle is this, that you have to maintain what you obtain. You have to maintain what you obtain. When I was, uh, when I was younger, my older brother, he was a young man, just got his first, you know, real job, good job. And he went out for a few hours, came home in a brand new sports car. And I remember he pulled out, it like, raw, raw, raw. and I was just like, this is amazing. Can I go for a ride? And my dad walked out and saw it. It was like, what did you do? And my brother was like, oh, no problem. I went down to the dealership, and they were like, yeah, you, you earn enough money. You can have this car. You can lease it. And so he had this car. And so my dad said to him, he said, hey, how much is the insurance? Oh, well, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. So they called. Of course, insurance was extremely expensive, young guy, sports car. How much is the fuel? Oh, it has to have high test grade fuel and, and all of this kind of stuff. And and so in reality, he he could afford the car, but he couldn't afford to keep the car on the road. Do you understand what I'm saying? And and so many times in our lives, we're like, God, I know you've called me to something great. I, I know that the, that you want me to lead. I know that you want me to do all these incredible things with my life. You have this calling, but our capacity is not ready to go to the next level. And what God will do is he will actually keep us at our current level until we are able to maintain it before taking us to to the next level. This week the NHL season kicked off. I'm pretty excited about that. It's fun to watch hockey again. And one of the things that's interesting about hockey is watching sort of the the up and coming, you know, new talent and you're like, "When are they going to put so and so, he's really talented. When are they going to put him in the NHL?" And everyone wants to rush the process, but good managers and good leaders and coaches know that if that player who has lots of ability, lots of uh, call on their life, they could do great things. If they put them into the NHL before that they are ready, then the problem is going to be uh, that they are, are not going to be able to maintain it. Right. And so they'll often leave them in the minors until they are exceeding and maintaining their capacity there. And then they'll bring them up to the big leagues. Now, the reason why I tell you this is because God does the very same thing. He won't put you in a position until you're ready to obtain it. And I, when I was a kid in youth group, uh, we were encouraged to make a list of the, you know, the perfect spouse, you know, it's like write down the, the perfect girl. And so I wrote down, you know, beautiful and, you know, gorgeous and like just all these kind of surfacey things, you know, I've made my list and I was like, yeah. And they're like, pray for that. Wait for that. Trust God for that. And that was encouraging. But then I remember one of the youth leaders standing up and saying, look, it's great. You got your list. And you've got your perfect girl for me, perfect girl, maybe for you, perfect guy, whatever. You've got this all laid out. You know exactly what it is you want from God. But he said, if she shows up and you're not the man of God she's looking for, you're not ready. You won't be able to maintain what you obtain. And I've seen people saying, I, I want a-, a leadership position. And then they get put in the leadership position and it destroys them and it destroys the people around them. Why? Because they're not ready to maintain it. Uh, about 12 years ago, I had this vivid dream. And in the dream, I um, in the dream I I was standing on a stage. Now keep in mind, 12 years ago I wasn't a pastor. I was a window installer and a manager. And I remember having this dream where I was standing on this big stage, preaching to a crowd of a thousand people. And it was like, I got the sense when I woke up, it was like, oh, maybe this is part of my call. Maybe this is maybe this is my future that I'm going to be able to I'm going to be able to be a leader and a, and a pastor to this large. And it was just this really cool moment. And I remember waking up and thinking, wait a sec. I know how God works. (laughs) If God wants a tree, he plants a seed 25 years ago, so he has a tree now. And I, I knew that, hey, if God wanted me to be a leader who would lead hundreds or, you know, a thousand people or something crazy like that, that he would do it slowly. And I remember thinking, I remember as I woke up, I was sitting there meditating on what I had seen in my dream, and I felt like God said, do you want that? I could give you that right now. And because I know that God works in this way, little by little, my instant reaction was, actually, no, just give me a few people who are committed to you and to this mission and we'll grow a church over time the right way. Okay. Little by little, it's how God grows us. It's how he grows and prepares us for what is next. So man, if you want to get to the next level in your spiritual growth, next level in your business, in your relationship, you've got to be able to sustain and maintain what you obtain. Is that making sense? I hope that's helpful for you. Well, I'm running out of time, so let me just share with you. Uh, there's a book that I read and is actually part of this series. A lot of the content from this book is found in this message series. Um, the book is called um, Mini Habits by Stephen Guise. And uh, Mini Habits, you can see there, I encourage you to read it. It's a really short read, just a little over 100 pages. Uh, but in it, he outlines the way to successfully get new habits into your life. And what he suggests in the book is so great. He suggests in the book that we make your goals stupidly small, stupidly small goals, right? In fact, he uses the phrase in the book that your goals are too small to fail. That's, that's where we got the title for this message, that your goals would be so small that you couldn't fail. The reason why this is important is in the book, he sort of outlines how he stumbled onto this idea. He talks about how um, 12 or so years ago, he was sitting at home trying to work up the energy to do a 30 minute workout. But just the thought of putting on gym clothes and doing a 30-minute workout was so overwhelming. He couldn't bring himself to do it. Tried everything. Tried to motivate himself. Oh, I'll do this. Uh, Finally, he came up with this idea. He said, well, what if I I made a goal that was so small? I'd be silly not to do it. And his his thought was, I'll do a single push-up. A single push-up. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I could do 20, I could do 30, I could do 40. Well, how would one push-up? But he decided to do one single push-up. So I'll I'll do a push-up. All right, follow me down here. All right, so he decided to get down in his bedroom. You know, there he gets down in the bedroom and he does one push-up. Now, of course, what happens when he's down in this push-up position is now he's down there and it's like now we're leveraging the law of motion, An object in motion will stay in motion. It's like, well, I'm already down here, right? Might as well do, might as well do 10. Oh, maybe I could do 20. And so, (laughs) he did this day after day. He's doing push-ups, and and all of a sudden he's finding that he can do. He talks in the book about one night he's so tired forgot to do his push-ups of the day. Again, he only had to do one, small, stupidly small. Laying in bed on his face, falling asleep, he's like, I'll do one. I just do a push-up on the bed. And then smile inside. Success. And the reason why this is so important, let me go back to my chart. The reason why it's so important to start with small goals. Remember what I said earlier about willpower? Let's draw this chart again. Willpower. Willpower is not an inexhaustible resource. Okay? So, how much willpower does it take to do one push-up? Ah! Almost none. Like, you're not exhausting your willpower. It's one little thing. And then you succeed. And one of the things, when you succeed and accomplish something, it actually gives you a little boost. So your willpower is back to 100%, right? It's amazing how this works. Instead of saying, I'm going to read a whole book this week, just say, I'm going to read two pages a day. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to sit down. You start, okay, I've got to read this five minutes. You start reading, and you get two pages in, and, oh, I want to know how this chapter finishes. Next thing you know, you're reading 10 and 12 pages, right? And so just the smallest things, you know, I'm just going to walk to the mailbox. Oh, I might as well circle around and do the rest of the block. You're leveraging, you're, what you're doing... You're reducing the amount of willpower that is required to get things moving in the right direction and then leveraging this idea of momentum. So once you're moving, things begin to move like crazy. Let me give you another example. We've got lots of students working from home, high school students, university students. You might have a six hour project, you know, big assignment, and it's due next week and you're already stressing about it and really you know you're going to do it the night before and it's going to be crazy stressful and you'll be up all night. But you're looking at this this big assignment, like, here's how you can apply a mini habit. Just decide, I'm going to take five minutes to read the outline today. I'm just going to do that. And you say, how much willpower does that take? Almost none. That's, that's silly. That's not. I, it's a six-hour project, so five minutes isn't going to help me. But what you'll find is you'll read it, and you'll be like, oh, well, I could do the intro right now. That's, that's not too hard, and you might spend 30 minutes and... If each day you spend five minutes looking at it, you would be amazed how much progress you can make. Again, what we're doing is we're reducing the amount of willpower that is required to get started. And so we do it by taking very, very, very small steps. Okay? Uh, I want to share with you uh, four things that you can do. So as you think about your five-year plan, okay? And let's say you want to you wanna be here in five years. Again, the... Uh, it doesn't... Uh, years... You get the idea. All right, five years, you want to get to there. Again, we want to go crazy, but the idea is that we start super small and easy and allow it to grow and build over time. This is how we're going to succeed in forming habits. This is how we're going to succeed as we move forward to the things that God has called us. It starts with a, a small step. So small, it seems seems silly. So from the book, I just want to share with you four quick things that you can do. As you think about where you want to be, what I want you to do is to come up with a few mini habits, mini goals, things that you can do each day and just pick one or two of them and just do a few things each day that will help you to move in that direction. Here they are. The first one is this. Choose carefully. Choose carefully. Uh, not all habits, not all actions are created equal. And uh, Charles Duhigg and others have written about keystone habits and I've talked about them before. There are certain habits that have an impact on all other habits. All right, if you've ever seen an archway, there's usually a, a stone that's shaped like this in the archway, and that stone holds all the other ones together. And so there are some habits that are keystone habits. One of them for me is sleep. So we're going to talk more about sleep next Sunday as we close out the series. Uh, but here's the thing: If I get a good sleep each and every night, guess what? My mind is sharper. I eat healthier, I tend to exercise more, I'm nicer to my wife and my kids, and the people that work with me are happy because I slept more. So one of the small things you can do is just make sure I get to bed at a good time. That's a very small thing. It seems like nothing, but it has a way of impacting everything else. Uh, Prayer is a keystone habit, meditating on God's Word. So when you just take a moment to stop each day and talk to God and think about what He's thinking about and is my life aligned... You'd be amazed how much more productive your day would be. In Bible college, there was a pastor came to speak to us, and they made a decision for their entire staff that they would spend two hours a day praying and reading the Bible in the morning before they could do any of their other tasks, the entire staff team. And my thought is, well, you just lost two hours a day across your whole team. How would you get anything done? And he said, actually, after a month of doing this, we are more productive than we've ever been. Why? Because when you have time to pray and meditate, it oh, there's all this stuff I've been doing. I shouldn't even be doing that. And now I see it because I'm taking time with God. And so stuff would get shaved off and they would be doing, anyway, it's a keystone habit. So praying, spending time with God. Another one is eating well. When you eat well, you feel better. You sleep better. You exercise more. You might floss your teeth, right? You might brush your teeth. I mean, cause you feel good, right? So exercise is a keystone habit that makes so much of a difference in our life. Tithing is a keystone habit. It's like, all of us struggle with greed and what 's in it for me, and how much more can I get and deciding up front that every time I get something i 'm going to give a piece back to God it just it just kills greed because it 's something that we put in place and it, it affects everything so there 's all these keys don't happen so choose carefully that 's the point here 's the second thing I want you to do uh, spell it out specifically you, you don 't want to have fuzzy goals, so fuzzy goals sound like this this year i 'm going to eat better this year i 'm going to eat better. What does that mean? Eat better than who? Eat better than your brother, eat better than your kid, like eat better than what, right? Or I'm going to drink less, drink less than who? Like what, what's the line, right? So then it's easy to kind of move around. We want to set extremely specific goals. I'm going to go to bed at this time. I'm only going to do this much of that. I'm going to, it has to be something that's very, very specific that you and other people will know when you've crossed that line. You want to spell it out specifically. Uh, another thing you want to do is track it diligently. Track it diligently. There's something happens when you write it down. When you write down, hey, I, I went for a walk. I did some exercise. Or you start writing down what you've eaten. How scary is that? I mean, it will open your eyes. You're like, how much trash? How many calories? What? I, oh, I didn't drink any water this week. Like, it's incredible when you begin to track what you're doing. So track it diligently. And lastly, you got to guard it aggressively. Guard it aggressively um, it's so easy to get off track and again what we want to do with these mini small habits is start small but do them consistently like if you can do something even small over a month or two months habits begin to form it becomes a routine and it stops using any willpower at all you just do it so we want to build those habits slowly gradually you don't want to take a day off so make them small so that you don't have to and one of the things I've found that's super helpful is is removing distractions. You know, like if you decide you want to eat healthy. And again, if I walk through my kitchen, and there's a bag of Doritos. I really do like Doritos. And if the bag of Doritos is sitting on the counter, I walk by and I'm actually, I'm using, if you can go back over to my little chart here, I'm actually using willpower to not eat the Doritos. I walk by and I'm like, oh, I want that. But no, it's a new year, new me. I'm not going to eat the Doritos. And I walk past. And then three hours later, I walk past the same Doritos and I'm using more of my willpower. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to do it. New me, new year, everything's going to be good. And I'm like, man, I don't want to look like a Dorito. You know, I don't want to be shaped like that in five years from now. So I'm not going to eat it. Or I could just throw the Doritos out and not have them in my house. And then it doesn't use my willpower to stay away from it. You see, so sometimes the best thing to do is just to remove those things that are causing you to use up your willpower. By the way, this is just an extra bonus point, willpower and decisions use up the same fuel tank. And this is important to know because I know um, my family like yours is going through this stay at home order. I have to figure out how to work from home some days. My kids, are, they're all on school. We're sharing the internet, computers. There's all these decisions to make, like how are we going to do this? And every single decision you make actually drains the amount of willpower you have. So not a good month to be making massive big changes that are, that are built on willpower. This is a perfect time to start something small that you can win at every day that will grow into something that will change your life in five years. that makes sense? All right, so here's where I want to wrap it up. I want to wrap it up with... One last passage of scripture and then I want to share an example with you. The passage of scripture is found in Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 10. And here's what it says. Maybe you've heard this verse quoted before. Do not despise these small beginnings. Some ver- some versions say the day of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, I don't know, if you were looking for a baby name, I just, you know, you're welcome. Zerubbabel, that's a great name. I don't know what it is, but lately it seems like everybody wants to have, in the last 10 years, they want to have a name that nobody else's kid has. Zerubbabel, perfect. I, I just think that's wonderful, okay? So who's Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel was appointed as the governor over an uh, uh, area of Judea, including Jerusalem. Now, the city, the temple, and all the homes were laying in ruins. Literally, he was governor of a pile of rocks. And he was tasked with rebuilding the wall. And what this passage says, if you can put that passage back up for me, it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Well, how small of a beginning are we talking about? It tells us in the bottom that he had a plumb line in his hand. So literally there's piles of rocks everywhere and Zerubbabel has a string and he pulls it across and he's like, here's where we're going to build the wall. Nobody had even lifted a stone and piled up a piece of the wall yet. He's literally just making a plan, pulling the string and it says this, that the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Again, you and I are going to be tempted as we're going through this series and we think about this content, we're going to be tempted to think it has to be something big and splashy and it has to be instant change. But God actually celebrates. He rejoices to see you take one small step towards him. That's why at Pathway Church we always say every Sunday, our goal for this morning is for you, for me, take one step in God's direction. Because one step repeated every single day over a decade, over a lifetime, will absolutely transform your life, your family, and our community, if we can do it. So everybody say, little by little, little by little, uh, that's how God works in our lives. And I want to just illustrate this before I close in prayer. Got a piece of paper here. I think you guys can agree, paper is pretty thin. Uh, but something happens when you compound it, okay? I know this is no bed of nails, but go with me. If you want to grab a piece of paper, you can you can do this at home, too. I'm going to fold this paper over, okay? So now the one paper, the one sheet of paper has become two. Now we multiply it again by folding it over. Now this single thin piece of paper has become four. I'm going to fold it over again. Uh, again, you can try this at home, see how far you can get. Uh, I'm going to fold it over again. Now we have eight sheets of paper. Fold it over again. I don't know what I'm at, five maybe. We're at 16. Still pretty thin. Fold it over again. We're now 32. Fold it over again. 64. The world record, by the way, is 10 folds. Uh, I'm not going to get anywhere close to that. So, uh, here's the incredible thing though something as thin as paper multiplied over time. If you could fold this paper 42 times, this paper would be the thickness of the earth to the moon. Okay? That's the power of compound interest. That's the power of small changes increasing over time exponentially. God wants to do something incredible in your life and mine. He has a big plan, a big call for you. This bigger than you could ever imagine. But he can't get you there to your call until your capacity increases. And that happens little by little, day by day, small obedience, small faith. Good, uh, good choices, trusting God, moving in the right direction each and every day. Uh, I'll put it like this to close. Little by little, eventually adds up to a lot. That's how God has created things to be. And so I want to encourage you to take a step towards God today. From wherever you are, that you would begin to put some things in place that would move you in His direction. Let me pray with you, and I look forward to being back here together next week to finish up this series as we talk about time management. Father, this morning, as every person uh, tunes in online, I pray that you uh, would, again, be with us, just like you promised, that as we look at the future and where we want to be, and it, it seems so big, so impossible, that we would look back and see your faithfulness and remember that you are with us. Thank you that we don't have to make some massive shift today, but we need to take one step of faith and obedience in your direction. Help us to do that from wherever we are. Give us the strength and the courage uh, to make that change. And Lord, would you do what you do and multiply our seed and multiply our efforts and be with us every step of the journey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hope that message was helpful for you. So glad that you could join us today. There are A couple things you can do to connect with us. One, subscribe to this podcast and each of the messages each week will end up right on your phone or device or computer. So glad to share this time with you. Also, if you'd like to give and support this ministry, you can go to our website, pathwaylife.com and click on the Give tab and help support the ministry that we're doing in our region and around the world. Thanks so much. See you next time.